Last week, there was a flurry of activity online and articles in the newspapers and items on the television news about Dr. Seuss and six books that had been it had been suggested to take them off the shelf because um, they were not fit for classrooms. And uh, then there were references to cancel culture and a whole discussion about how to handle something like Dr. Seuss. So in order to share with you some of my thoughts, because I think it's important to think about this as a classroom teacher or as a parent. A long time ago, at least now, 22 or 23 years ago, I sat on a committee of consultants and teachers for the District School Board of Niagara, which was the employer of all the, 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 the Board of Education, rather, for all of the schools, public schools, and public secondary schools in the Niagara Peninsula. And we were working on a thinking skills uh, curriculum, if you will, and we had gone through all of the different things that you could do in a classroom with a group of students to cultivate thinking skills and creativity and imagination. And when we had the document ready, we put it out for the public to provide input. And as it turned out, there were a, a group of parents in schools on the escarpment at the far back end of the district who took strong exception to our use of um, meditation and imagination with the eyes closed because it allowed kids to think about the devil and about witches and demons. And this was a group of uh, parents from a very uh, right-wing uh, fundamentalist Christian part of the peninsula. Not that, not that I'm suggesting that they are not entitled to their opinions, but it, raise the issue of how you actually deal with a situation like that in schools. There have been times when schools have said that you shouldn't teach um, uh, Tom Sawyer, for instance, or now it's Dr. Seuss. And I want you to think about the idea that it's not just a hard and fast rule, black or white. But you have to think about the age group you're talking about and the cultural background of this group that you're thinking about to extend the 
concepts a little bit beyond dreaming and imagining. I just finished reading aloud online for for listeners Mary Poppins. Now, I'm hoping you're going to realize that Mary Poppins was a very popular book. It was made into a very, very successful movie. And it made the careers of several people. Believe it or not, when I read the book this time, I noticed that there were uh, sections in the book that had reference to Piccaninnies and Red Indians. And while it was questionable for the audience I had intended it for, I thought to myself, what if I read that book to a grade 7 or 8 or 9 or 10 class and had them think about those words and what those words implied and how better to write that kind that part of the book the same thing with dr seuss what if you were to use dr seuss in a college classroom or in a high school uh, English classroom in which you read the books and then have the students talk about the impact that they would have on the listener who was young. Because I believe that reading aloud, aloud, A-L-O-U-D, has to include reading books that use negative words. Because otherwise, how would you ever know how to deal with it? Elsewhere, I talked about the fact that I remember when I'd have friends over for a party and the liquor cabinet was not locked in my house. And my father believed that I had to understand that the liquor could be out for him, but it wasn't out for me. And that I didn't have free reign to just sneak it. I had to learn to, he had to learn to trust me and I had to show that I could be trusted. We can't learn those lessons if we avoid them completely. My grandfather always used to say, sometimes you have to hurt to do good. You have to force people to think about things so that they can learn lessons as a result. Saying, no, you cannot read Dr. Seuss to a young group doesn't mean you shouldn't talk about Dr. Seuss and what he says to a much older group so that they get 
for themselves to think about what is right and what is not right in literature. And we hope that along the way, what we do in a classroom will cultivate creativity and imagination. And every so once in a while, we'd like to think that maybe we stimulate one of our own students to write. And then to write thinking about what is possible and what should be possible, what can be said and what should not be said. But if we haven't had that conversation, they won't even think about it. And then they will innocently use terms that they shouldn't. I used to teach at a, an elementary school where my classroom had a whole wall of windows onto the tarmac where the kids played at recess time. And I remember being in my classroom, working away, when a couple of kids went by the window and, as it turned out, the school population included a couple of black families. And I remember hearing one of the students refer to, one of the black students referred to another black student as a nigger. Now, I'm hoping your ears go up and you're going, oh, I shouldn't have said that. He used the N-word to somebody else. And I went out and I talked to him about it. And I said, you know, how can you expect other people not to use that word if you use it yourself? And there's more than a few instances in popular culture where you can find a black person referring to another black person using the N-word. It can't be that you can say it's all right for me to call somebody else an N, but somebody white can't call me an N. If it's not good for somebody else, it should not be good for me. So when it comes to things like cancel culture and what words we should or shouldn't use, they all have connotations that are based in situations. And we should be aware of what those situations are. So that when I read the Mary Poppins book and I came across those offensive words, I thought to myself, this is strange because even today there are kids that think that Mary Poppins is a wonderful story. But even good authors sometimes make mistakes. And I will conclude by saying I believe what my grandfather said was right. Sometimes we have to hurt to do good. Sometimes you have to err in order to understand that you've made a mistake. And that we shouldn't be afraid to allow people to make mistakes. It's how we handle 
those mistakes that makes the difference. We should grow from our mistakes, not continue to repeat them because we know no better.